Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jet McLean. I'm the host. In today's episode, I interview Josh Groudon. He is currently the coach and founder at The King Consultant, a business that works with teams, individuals, both online and face-to-face, improving their kicking technique. Josh's story began as he was drafted by the GWS Giants. However, due to a broken leg and two hip operations, he cut his career short. With a fresh outlook on life, he decided to take up punting with Pro Kick Australia. Here he earned a scholarship to one of the biggest football colleges in the United States, LSU. We discuss how he came to create the kicking consultant, as well as the importance of learning your technique at a young age. The highlights from this episode, being part of the GWS Giants when they were founded, Josh was part of the 12 that were drafted at 17 years of age, the American college system and how the high-performance program differs to the Australian program, the importance of backswing for kicking for long distance, and we discuss Josh's business, The Kicking Consultant, and how that can help you if you're a developing footballer. Before we start this episode, for all the coaches that are listening to this episode, I want to help you develop your own brand and online business. The best place to start is to join our academy where you get full access to our high-performance presentations and ad-free podcasts. And exclusive to this, I'll also throw in a free consultation where we can discuss your brand and how to develop an online presence. Check out our academy by going to the preparelikeapro.com website. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for jumping on, mate. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Jack. We'll, we'll dive straight into it. Cool background too. I love all the memorabilia. <laughs> Got that from uh, those YouTube videos I used to watch where you'd always, um, people had that in- interesting stuff in the background to keep you focused a bit. <laughs> Is there something that's always in there that only a true fan would know about? Like, do you always put in this one little thing that oh, a blue drink bottle always there or is that <laughs> no i haven't quite bought it, built up that community yet i don't think <laughs> i just put in stuff that i think looks cool <laughs> well, we'll dive straight into it mate take us back to the early days when you were um discovering your passion as a footballer at what age did you um start playing footy and when did you discover you had you had talent to be able to take it to the highest level yeah so i uh, grew up in country south australia and uh, played my first game of footy when I was five or six, filling in for my brother's mini Colts team. So I'm not sure what the age group for that was, maybe under 12s or something. So um, a fair age difference. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess, I don't know really when I figured out I was decent, but you know, just as you get older and you just progress through the ranks, maybe when I was 15, I, I won some like runner up in the best in Ferris for the association and then played some state footy and then probably the AIS. When I got selected into AIS, I was like, okay, yeah, um, this could be yeah, AFL. My dream of playing AFL, which I had when I was young, I was like, this is, it, it could be a possibility. Yeah. And did you shift your mindset at that stage when you're in the AIS program? I imagine you got exposed to, you know, an elite environment and what it is to be a high performing athlete. Um, did that change the, the fun element and, but also did it change your sort of your professionalism to it all? Yeah, no, I think that was established a bit earlier, probably with um, Woodville West Torrens, uh, with the under-16 SNFL development. Like, we definitely got introduced to a bit more professionalism. The ARS was a lot of fun, um, and that was – I got into that probably the end of 2010, and then soon after was selected by the Giants. So I, was, I think I was already kind of prepared um, and was still, yeah, absolutely loving my footy. Yeah. Okay. And and with the AIS program, apart from the selection process, which obviously then you know where you sit amongst the competition, but um, what were some things that coaches were doing and um, to and even support like teammates and your family to to help you um, support your your football development back then? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was um, everything outside of football, and I think that was the biggest thing with AIS was. Um, helping that transition. So, you know, going through all the nutrition side of things, um, just, yeah, how to manage your body. Um, but, yeah, definitely the insights that the 
like the amazing coaches we had. Um, I guess just like more of the structures. So you're coming from, you know, under 16, 17, where there's a little bit, but um, learning more like game plan and things like that was probably the biggest thing for me that I, I got from, yeah, being surrounded by those, by those coaches. Yeah. And were there any surprises then when you uh, were in the system looking back to that development program? Were there anything that you felt like were missed in the development pathways or did you feel like you were pretty well prepared? Yeah, it's a great question. I've never really thought about it. Things top of my head is probably when we're at the Giants was like um, just interchange. Like we would plan out like the first probably quarter of how the interchange was going to work. Like, okay, if you're starting on, you've got three minutes and you've got to come off and then you'll go to here and like things like that, um, playing different roles, um, knowing what each position did. So if you, you know, if you were playing on the wing and then you had to roll up to half forward flank or half back flank and how that works in the rotation. So that's something off the top of my head. But um, yeah, there's probably a few more things as you get to that next level. Yeah, yeah, the level of detail of, of everything that's... Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of um, encapsulating everything, just more detail, yeah. Yeah, and who were some strong influences uh, in your development through the junior ranks? Oh, through the junior ranks. So a big one that stands out, I guess, for me was at the Giants, uh, John Quinn. So I think you've had John on the show, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was a big... His name's probably popped up uh, oh, most, I reckon. That's yeah, it. yeah. So as you know, legend. And he was a big influence and mentor and still is um, for me. So, yeah, um, definitely in the football AFL. Um, yeah. I what, did, what specifically, like why did he pop up first in mind? Why, why did he... Um, oh, I think like, so one of my very first weeks, so he was, you know, at the Giants, obviously, um, we're all very young and just from the get-go we got along really well um and then after breaking my leg uh an injury that i don't even know if he had ever really dealt had to deal with um and you know just the the bond that you make um you know you're in rehab and he's running your program and things like that so uh we became very close then and i think just he's just a has genuine care um for everyone you know um very authentic, um, very wise, thinks he's pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, he, he, made, he made trainings enjoyable, um, even when it was tough, like being in rehab so much. And was he managing your, like facilitating the sessions or was he managing more the program? More the program, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, Tim Parham, who I think you're having on <laughs> um, next year, he, uh, as when he came to the club, uh, yeah, he would have come through couple months after I just broke my leg and he helped uh, manage me a bit more. Um, yeah, more. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, okay. And you, and you mentioned that the level of detail, um, you're, you're, um, you're focusing a lot now of helping kids develop their kicking technique. Did you mm -hmm. have someone help you with your kicking technique through your junior pathways or? No, and that's the yeah. thing. I, that's the thing. I was literally just talking. Bizarre, isn't, it? In a isn't it crazy? Um, just talking to a um one of the kids i teach his dad's just yesterday and he was like no one's teaching this and i was like yeah no one's teaching me either like when we got when i was at the giants choco was big on it um he's always been big on his kicking but i was like it's just kind of like you expected to know how to kick by then and um yeah looking back like no one really ever taught me um i learned more about kicking a football in my five years of punting than i did 15 years of playing or growing up playing footy it's crazy so yeah, I guess that's kind of where I felt like it was needed. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, in a similar sense, it's like um, you never really talk growing up. Like you play a lot of sport, mm. and even in PE dodgeball, and there's you're always competing and playing fun games. There's a lot of enjoyment factor, which is obviously important. But yeah, yeah learn how to run unless you do athletics. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's a big one. Learn how to run. So there's some fundamental. Um, skills and athlete development there that I guess it seems like are now starting to change with people like yourself working in the private sector and training mm. um, edition coaches going into high schools now that have had experience at elite level. So there's a bit of a sh shift in Australian culture. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's – yeah, and it's interesting that you say Australian because um, being in America, like you see the strength and conditioning at the young age that starts. It's crazy. It's, it's great. It's great. Like those – they come in 18-year-olds looking like grown men and, you know, then hasn't stunted their growth like some people think that that's going to happen when you start lifting weights early. It's, they're just absolutely developed athletes um, 
I, I think that we are starting to make that cultural switch and it's going, only going to be beneficial to um, individuals and hopefully our country when we cut, start competing in international, in international sports such as the Olympics and whatnot, having these more developed um, uh, yeah, athletes because they've started it earlier. Yeah, 100%. And it's, uh, it's something we'll, we'll get into, um, I reckon, a bit further on. We'll, we'll, we'll go along your sort of career progression as the, from Beautiful. the athlete and then into the, the, the uh, athlete over in America and then obviously coaching now as well. So, But from the um, junior pathways, so you mentioned you're growing up in Adelaide, um, take us through draft night. Uh, were you expected to get drafted? Take us through all the emotions of, of that night. Yeah, so I, I actually didn't get drafted. I was pre-selected um, as one of the 12, 17-year-olds that the GWS Giants got access to. Oh, so, so you're with Dylan Shiel? Yeah, Dylan yeah. Shiel, Adam Trelaw, Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, it was more of a – well, I guess it was I – they picked a few guys and then – I was invited to the combine like like early, like the year before I was supposed to be with a bunch of guys and, that, and there was six spots left and I think they invited 12 of us there. So it was getting to that point where it was like, okay, uh, you know, it's eventually a 50-50 chance and, um, yeah, and then it was just, you know, you're like, oh, it's a new club. This will be – this is exciting. Like this is cool. Like this, you don't really know, don't really know much about it. Um, so it's a different set of – uh, excitement, I think, than what you get um, a tip- typically with the draft night and whatnot. Yeah, and did you know going into that into that year that that was a possibility? Was there whispers and rumours and in the industry about? Yes, yeah. So I had a pretty good year that year in the SNFL, and um, I think I was talking with managers. I would have been, and they were like, "Yeah, like it's from what they were hearing, it was pretty good." And then I even remember. Uh, at the combine, I just I was so that's when I was I was in the AIS and I said to Alan McConnell, who was heading up the Giants, I was like, oh, is it is it like going to be bad if like you know I'm still in the AIS and if I get selected by you guys, like I've still got six months left in the AIS and like no, that's like we look highly on that and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> he gave me like a little wink sort of sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, about then I I knew so. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah so, so what did that mean for year 12 and the rest of your life? I know, yeah. Um, could have easily have just said, you know what, I'm done. But no, um, my mum's a teacher and I've just always had that mindset to do the best in, I guess, everything I can. So uh, stuck it out and very grateful that I did because, um, yeah, uh, we might touch on it later, but that's kind of what helped me get me into college was my year 12 results um, and get yeah, into, the, into the university degrees here as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then, yeah, take us through that year as a 17-year-old moving and, and just the whole different lifestyle. Who were you living with? And, yeah, take us through that. Yeah, so the Giants did a great job of setting it up and actually set it up like a college um, system in the US where we were all – because we were quite young, but they were housed in a place called Breakfast Point, which is kind of like um, yeah, like college dorm type of scenario. Yeah. Um, so where you reckon they got the idea from? That is, that, that is, yeah. Gabby Allen um, did a few trips to the US and his son, I think, went to college and, yeah, that's where he got the idea from. So, yes, 100%. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. It was great being, you know, everyone, like I said, similar age. I think the oldest players, we had like Phil Davis, Callan. Oh, at that stage, that was 2011 when I was there. It was just, we were all just young. We had, I think the oldest guy... Oh, we had Izzy Flower and we had Jonathan Giles was maybe like 25, 26, an older rookie, uh, Steve Clifton. So young group, but um, we had the Lamberts, Craig and Mel Lambert to look after us who were awesome. Um, and yeah, and then, yeah, it was, it, things started heating up when we were, the next year we were in the AFL. Um, you know, we get more, we got like Tom Scully and like I said, Phil Davis, Callum Ward coming in. And it was like, okay, this is starting to get real. And um, yeah, like Chad Corns, Luke, uh, Power, Dean Brogan, James McDonald, like these, you know, gun AFL players. So started to add some maturity to the list. Um, and yeah, and then How each year. changed the dynamic of the group? Like obviously the coaches, you had senior coaches around, mm-hmm. I imagine, trying to drive it. And, and you had a lot of talented players that would have been, been leaders as well. But having those older players that have been in assistance for longer, yeah. it was it tangible? Do you notice the training standards and everything shift? Oh, 100%. Um, 
even being out with injury, you could just see it's like what we thought was like the standard or even um, not standard playing, but like how you conduct yourself off the field and with the film and all that, like that just went to another level uh, when you've got, you know, 300 gamers in the room. So, yeah, big time. Yeah. And take us through the injury. Uh, yeah. Uh, so 2011, playing up Sun, playing the Suns up in Gold Coast, just uh, got tackled as I was about to kick it and ended up kicking the back of my leg. So I, I broke my own leg essentially. Um, so snapped the tibia and fibula straight in half. Um, yeah, had surgery, got a, uh, a rod put through. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, I was sat out for 350 days um, to the date. And then um, it's never, it never really quite came 100%. It was kind of just like, oh, well, there's only a couple of games left in the season. Let's, let's, try, let's try and play them. And, you know, it was just like, yeah, just see what happens. And, and I got through, um, but it still, like, was quite painful doing any sort of agility stuff, um, just that constant running on it. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, not, not great. Don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I would have been, you know, it's, I've never been through a significant injury like that, but I imagine the trauma um, of the actual injury itself, but then also the, what you would have had to go through to rehabilitate yourself. Um, yeah. And, you know, in some sense, being in that environment would be amazing in terms of support, but at the mm. same time, you're constantly in your own bubble in, a, in rehab when you're in that world and everyone else is playing footy and, you know, doing what you're doing. It makes, can make it different, you know, different challenges, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. How, how, yeah. What did you learn about yourself and how did you grow with, with dealing with those challenges? Being, yeah, long -term? yeah, definitely um, established some mental toughness. Um, like you said, it, it's, it's very, um, yeah, challenging mentally. Um, you know, you're, you're so close, you're on AFL list and your dream's just to, to play. And then you've got, you know, new guys coming into the team, getting drafted. Who And, you know, that year, 2012, like everyone was getting a game. <laughs> you know, they were trialling everyone. So all these guys going past you and then like, you know. Opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was lucky I had a good mate, Kurt Aylett. He did his ACL like a week or two before me, um, before I broke my legs. So we were in rehab for a, a long part together. But um, even that had its challenges because, you know, he would reach certain obs like milestones and with an ACL, it's, you know, there's, a, there's like programs on how to manage an ACL, whereas with a broken leg, it's just like, well, they're all different. Like there's some things you can do. So, yeah, you know. Loading is oh. Tommy Mitchell's. Uh, yeah, there's so many different things in the research that is how much you can mm. load the bone. And yeah. So, yeah, had, um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough. But, yeah, definitely um, and stronger for it. And, yeah, definitely think that's prepared me for um, other ventures that I've done for sure. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it never felt quite the same. Was, is it the, the ability to handle a 10K training session or, or was it the ability to spring and cut and change direction, kick long distance? What, what were the main sort of things? Yeah, those first two you mentioned. So after a while, just running on it, like really starting, like I think really bad shin splints, but along the like side, like along the fibula, uh, wasn't so much my tibia that was the problem. And then, yeah, cutting because it's putting that pressure on the, on the fib, like as you cut. So anything like that, just pain. And it's like you don't, you don't have confidence in it when you're, when you're feeling that. Yeah. Yeah. And then that makes a lot of sense why the punting ambition started. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. When I found out about that, I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. Yeah. And, ta and take us through, was it an easy decision to shift your mind and, and say, okay, I'm not ending the AFL dream, but I'm just going to focus on this, on this for a little period of time? Or, or was it something that you battled with? For, to yeah, no. So, yeah, so I guess I, I did say I was ending the AFL dream and I was very comfortable with that at that stage. So um, after I got delisted, uh, there was tryouts for Pro Kick Australia for ex-AFL players, delisted AFL players. And honestly, I've always loved American football. Um, you know, would get up early and watch it. Even I had like four or five college football shirts like that I'd bought online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my plan was actually to play. So I was signed with Woodville, was doing the preseason. The plan was to study at university um, while playing for Woodville. If I didn't get, have a good year and get picked up in the AFL, I would go do an exchange to the States because I just had this weird fascination for America. Like I love the, the sport and everything. So 
when I heard about about punting, it was almost a it was a no brainer. Honestly, like like I said, my leg wasn't that great. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to go to America. You can get this full scholarship to get paid for. Um, so it was not a difficult decision at all, to be honest. And how much practice did you was kicking one of your strengths as a footballer? So kicking long, like I was always above average, and honestly, like um, yeah, like not nothing crazy, like not like um, Trent McKenzie or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I, I went to Melbourne and did an assessment with Pro Kick Australia, and they were like, "Yep, you'd be good enough." And then that meant uh, moving there and training for twelve months before you know getting the scholarship and moving to America. And what would a training program look like for, for someone who's trying to improve like it's such a specific skill, you know? Yeah. So I can't yeah. There's a lot of conditioning required or maybe there is. I've, I've never. Yeah, it. no, there is because you're required to fit in with the team and the team is full of elite athletes. So it's a different style. Yeah. So it's more power-based power um, sprint agility stuff. Honestly, the conditioning testing was a breeze and it would be for any AFL footballer. Um, but it's the speed. Uh, we had to do 16 110s every, like, on the, in, in like, um, so 1,610 yards, so about 100 meters in 16 yeah. seconds um, with like 45 second rest between reps. Uh, on the minute. Yeah, yeah virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, training is, um, yeah, very technique based. And I've always loved that. So, Oh, I love training. It's funny, like you think, oh, you, all you do is kick a ball, but it's like, it's so fun. It's so cool. You just try to roost the ball every time. And punting is, isn't easy. Like it seems simple, but you've got to kick off two steps. You've got to catch it and kick it within 1.2 seconds. The ball is less forgiving. You know, you're kicking in front of 100,000 people and you only might get four kicks a game. You don't want to mess it up. So um, you've got to get hang time, got to put it where the team thinks that you're supposed to be putting it. Um, you know, you've got these freak athletes returning the ball. You've got these big athletes trying to block, um, block your punt. So it's, there's a lot to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Like you said, there's not a lot yeah. of opportunities to, mm. to get it. Um, almost like I imagine a, you know, a batsman, you know, once they're out, they're yeah. out, you know, like yeah. you've got yeah. that shot. And then also the, the pressure of, yeah, some beasts coming at you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even though you've got padding, uh, no oh, one's being tackled by those guys. Yeah, especially when you're in a vulnerable position of, of kicking, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, it broke my, that's how I broke my leg. So, <laughs> yeah. And the, and the, the, the year of, of preparation, um, were there other things going in your life or, or was, you know, I imagine there was, but how, like, where was that in terms of your priority? Were you going oh, all in on that? And all in, all in. Yeah, yeah. All in. So, um, yeah, uh, Nathan Chapman and now John Smith do a great job of running Pro Kick Australia. It's, it's like a very, um, yeah, pretty pretty high standard program. Um, you know, you've got your, your strength training as well. Um, we have theory sessions to learn about the game. Um, but, yeah, training would be three to four times a week. Um, and, yeah, Nathan did a great job of mixing it up, um, you know, it, sessions were never boring if they're never the same, but, you know, we'd work on, um, the intricate details that were needed. And, and Nathan, um, he, he played AFL, um, played like pretty much deserved a contract with Green Bay Packers, um, but then moved back to Australia and started pro kick. And his eye for punting is and kicking is, yeah, next level. Awesome. And then, yeah, talk us through how uh, LSU came on board. Mm. What, what's the drafting process with college? Yeah. exam as well like you mentioned that the scores were important your year yep. was important yeah what's the process for those that are interested yeah so i guess the process for any australian is to go through pro kick australia it's very hard there's just no way you do it on your own um but yeah you pretty much we pretty much get to the point where i was producing good film like good footage of me punting and that's trying to be as little editing as possible you know it's like a kick after kick hitting a big, big ball that goes, you know, that hits the standards. Um, we'd send that over to colleges and now it's getting to the point where colleges are reaching out to pro kick. Like, and that, that's, that's been going on for a few years now. But um, yeah, we knew we'd had pro kick had placed in Aussie at LSU before me and he was, his time was coming to an end because you can only play for four to five years. And I was like, okay, well, LSU, here's the next guy if you want him. Um, 
And yeah, it was literally off a YouTube video um, that they saw. They were like, yep, here's a full $250,000 US scholarship. Wow. And what did you study? What- I studied pretty, pretty, much, pretty much the equivalent of human movement. Um, yeah, emphasis on fitness studies and I kind of made it around sport. Yeah, awesome. And then what, would the, what was the program like with LSU and, and studying and what was it like? like? Were you living in the dorms? And- yeah, yeah. Um, so... Um, so I, I just wanted to touch on maybe the, the, the like we, I missed the question about the, the SATs, um, the testing for that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that was, that's pretty important that you make sure your schooling's right. Um, cause they take from year nine to year 12 to then get admitted into college. Um, so yeah, I just want to make, make sure people know of that cause that's very important, the academic side of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the college program at LSU was awesome. Um, you know, the U S do things differently. Um, and then, yeah, living on campus was sick. It was, it was similar-ish to what um, the Giants had put together. Um, definitely some similarities there. Uh, but I was a bit older than most. So I went over to college at 21 when most are starting at 18. So that was, that was good for me just to be that, a bit more mature um, and, and ready for the hand, like, you know, what was to come. And I think having that experience with the Giants definitely helped. And how much was, like, what was – you know, harder in the American program from a strength and conditioning point of view compared to GWS and, and, yeah, and what was harder in the GWS program compared to um, preparing as a punter? Yeah, so the biggest thing is the style of coaching. So here in Australia, I feel like we have like two-way communication. It's not like, you know, you can be like, oh, like why are we doing that? Like, you know, um, the communication on, on is, yeah, it's a lot better in America. It's, it's very authoritarian. Like you right. just do this. Um, yep. and that's, that's what I said and you'll do it. So, that's not uh, conversation or no, no. And, um, yeah, that's just the way it is. It's, it's yes, sir. It's not, oh yeah, thanks mate. It's yes, sir. Um, so yeah, the different styles of coaching is definitely the biggest. And then, yeah, it was all power based. So lifting heavy. And, you know, they get crazy. Like, they are slapping each other. They've got heavy metal music going. They're sniffing, um, you know, those salts or whatever they are. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's good. I it definitely get, it got around it. It didn't – it probably took me a year, but, um, yeah, I, was, I loved it. And I've taken a little bit of that into my coaching now. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, like we talked a little bit about before, the – I mean, certainly Australia's leading the way, it seems – in the world in terms of sports medicine and science, science. yeah uh, the yeah. high performance that goes on in america and the reputation to to push the boundaries of what you know humans can yeah. achieve is pretty awesome yeah and, and i think that's something that i've taken away and i saying that we should as a culture is not forget that like heavy lifting and and just you know the basic fundamentals of power lifting are great um you know p- pushing your athletes to to get the most out of them as opposed to being like, oh, what's his training load like? Maybe he, we need to tone things down a bit, you know? Like yeah. there's got to be that bit of balance. And I think we've got to be careful not to go too sciencey and look into the data and forget about like we're, we're humans and, and we can get more or be more beneficial to an athlete by, you know, maybe pushing them a, a bit harder. Yeah, 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 100%. Couldn't agree more, mate. And Lucas has just written in a question. Uh, which career path did you enjoy more, AFL or college football? It's a good question, Lucas. That's a great question. And I think it would be different if I wasn't injured, but I 100% enjoyed my four years at LSU over my three years at Giants. But, you know, different circumstances. Um, college, college can be fun. Like, it yeah. is fun. Um, football is, at that level, it's a, it's a job. Um, both, both have high pressures. Um, you know, both are very demanding, but, you know, as an Aussie being in, in America, it's, it's very fun. It's very new. It's kind of like, you know, there's holiday to a degree because yeah, everything's so different. Exactly, exactly. Um, but it's just and everything's on a bigger scale there. So, um, yeah, if I was to weigh that up to maybe like a 10-year successful, successful AFL career, then things might be different. Of course. And what yeah. about the, the, the crowd and the mm. atmosphere? Like you mentioned 100,000. Would you compare that to 100, like 100,000 grand final MCG and 100,000 college American football game? What yeah. would you reckon? Uh, oh, American football for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing is that's 90,000 are for like, like the home team and maybe five to 10,000 are the away team. 
Yeah, of course. So AFL grand final got probably fifty fifty. Um, and this is happening virtually every week too. So big parade, um, you know, fireworks, the lot, um, the the crowd, like the student section is ridiculously loud. So there's a section for the students of the university and they all virtually the whole stadium knows different chants for different scenarios of the game. And it's next level. It's so next level. Um, at one point, we had so we have a tiger. Our, our um, mascot was a tiger, so we had a real live living tiger um, habitat on campus. And yeah, and he would actually before Peter kind of kicked up a fuss, which was fair enough. He would actually get um, carted around the stadium before the game and plonked next to the entrance for the away team. Like so, just a bit of an insight of how crazy it really is over there. Yeah, it's hard to believe. If anyone's thinking about uh, joining the Prepare Like a Pro Academy, I definitely recommend it. Ever since I've joined it a few months ago, I feel so much more motivated, more fitter, more stronger, more supportive as well. Some of the things he gets you, get you doing is great for building up your capacity, muscle mass, injury prevention, everything you could need that you wouldn't even think of if you were making up your own plan. So Jackie's a nice fellow, he knows knows what he's doing just flick him a message he'll get you set up no worries he might even get you on to a few giveaways a few free trials yeah i definitely recommend it and then you mentioned challenges like it took about a year to adjust to that different intensity and the way they go about things compared to australian farm way with performance and, and the culture and even the communication where it was, it was directive yeah um, what would you say was the the biggest challenge uh, and biggest learning curve, like as a person that you got the most out of, from, was it being able to learn a new sport? Was it the different culture change? Was it you know studying, living in the in a dorm in another country? Like what 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 aspect of it do you think you got the? Yeah, I think just being a part of it, like you know, you're. I wasn't coaching it; I was like living it, um, yeah. and it was just so good to learn a whole new other. Um, like domain of of sports science and sports training. So, like I said, the more power, speed, agility side of things. Um, yeah, coming from AFL, which is very much you know um, aerobic capacity, you know endurance um, endurance based. So, being a part of that and um, yeah, yeah, going through it and uh, you know like it's a multi million dollar program. Um, so. You know the high stakes. Um, you know what it's like being coached by you know a strength and conditioning coach who's been in the system for twenty years, and he's relying on good performance um, on the weight room that transfers out into the field, or else you know the coach loses his job, and in turn he loses his job. So um, seeing that side of things really is eye opening, um, and especially for anyone who wants to work over in the US, and a lot of Aussies are having good success in the field over there but yeah it's it's a different ball game yeah and do you think that because of that competitiveness the competitiveness and how challenging it is with the, the high stakes and the amount of money that's involved that's um like i imagine the work ethic is is next level with the- exactly yeah and another thing is with college they they only have a small amount of hours they're allowed to work with us so it's it's um, just NCAA um, rules and regulations. So different to the AFL, where it's like your job. Um, so they're trying to cram in as much as they can in this. I think it's the twenty hours a week or something like that. So you know we would go from sprint doing all our sprint work to then like running inside, doing our uh, weightlifting stuff, and then it's okay like recovery whatnot. And um, so yeah, they try to be very efficient and. Yeah, get as much, squeeze every drop out of you as they can. And how individualized, like we talked about the sports medicine side before and, and GP mm. sports science, AFL is very quite specific and individualized and every player has their own program. Was it the same in that system or was everyone expected to do this, get through the work together? Yeah, and that's something that they were lacking um, was that individuality. So they would split it up, up into pretty much bigs, mediums and smalls. So your bigs were like your O line and D line and uh, mediums were people like myself somehow, um, <laughs> linebackers, uh, quarterbacks, and then uh, smalls were like your wide receivers, your cornerbacks, your safeties. Um, 
But yeah, it, it only just started to switch. We had a pretty good individual strength coach because you all kind of have, you have your head strength coach and then each, I guess, group. So like your wide receivers would have a strength coach, your specialists would have a strength coach. He was good and started to individualize our programs more to be, you know, more unilateral and working on balance and things like that, which was needed. Um, the quarterbacks, again, theirs is probably a bit different. You know, it's more shoulder rehab and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, there was a stage where it was just kind of like, we literally were virtually doing the same thing, um, just slight differences. And like I said, the conditioning testing was the same for everyone. We would, us punters who, you know, can kickers that don't generally run unless we're doing a fake or something bad's happened, we don't need to be doing agility. But no, we'd be doing it because that's what the coach wanted. They wanted, you know, us all to be doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, there was times where like this would just not happen in Australia. <laughs> Yep. And when you're going through these phases and you look thinking back of it now, was there any concept of potentially creating a, a kicking consulting business, an online program? Like were you thinking in your head, oh, this is something I'm going to note this down, this, this, uh, like you mentioned, you love the technical side of parenting yeah. and yeah. Um, it sounds like you're quite analytical and you like to, to learn. Um, was it, did you know that that was something that you were eventually going to give back and help others or was it more just you were just obsessed about being the best you could be as an athlete at that time? Yeah, I think at that time, yeah, it's, yeah, I probably hadn't thought about that quite yet. Um, did know that I always wanted to be in sports science and in, in the space. And I did think it was going to be like I wanted to be with elite athletes. But um, honestly, yeah, I didn't really know, yeah, what I was. I knew the area of, of the field and the industry, but not exactly, yeah, I couldn't say that I knew I wanted to be a kicking coach, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and, take us through you were so there for four years um what made you decide to come back to australia and and when you came back to australia what were your plans and what were you um hoping to get into next in that yes so uh, pretty pretty much covid um yeah i guess yeah came back um in march so i was gonna try out for the canadian football league and i guess the nfl which wasn't expecting my nfl but the canadian football league was actually a um, possibility Everything got shut down. So came back and yeah, uh, honestly, like my plan after those tryouts was to go travel the world. Um, so <laughs> put that on hold for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, but like I said, I knew, I knew that what I wanted to do, I knew what I, like, I loved. And that's like I said, you're, you're right, very analytical. I've always loved biomechanics. Um, so I, yeah, I got asked by Nathan Chapman to run Pro Kick Australia Adelaide because of COVID, um, had shut down borders to Melbourne and whatnot. So we had some guys from SA who couldn't get back to Melbourne. So they were here. So he asked if I could do that. And I returned to play footy for my um, country footy team. And I think just combining that and seeing that lack of, there's no kicking coaching going on. Um, yeah, that's when I kind of it just it just happened naturally to come into the kicking consultant and to help think, AFL. Do you think there could be in the future, um, you know, for for the particularly at least for the players that kick out, let's say, mm -hmm. in, in each team, there's, there's a kicking coach, almost like there's a ruck coach. Yeah. Do you see that in the future in the AFL? Well, I, think? I don't, yeah, there should be. I don't I don't get why there's not a, a kicking coach when you've got strength and conditioning coaches. You know. Um, yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm a strength and conditioning coach myself. I see the importance of it, but you're like, well, kicking is the most important skill. Um, if you possess, the, if you can possess the ball, you don't have to put out as much physical output. Um, so, I yeah, it would be maybe hard to employ a full time kicking coach, but you just have someone that can provide valuable feedback, and maybe that's sixty percent of their role. But then they're also yeah, the forwards coach or something like that. Um, It'd be very interesting to see how much like video analysis they do on, on kicking on the kicking technique and whatnot. Um, I have had a chance to speak to a few guys from the system, but it doesn't seem they're even there a bit like we get we get told to kick less because they're monitoring our loads, but they've just absolutely smashed us in running. Um, but don't want us to kick extras afterwards because they're monitoring our loads. So yeah, it's a bit interesting. Yeah, I guess let's just play with it for a bit. So let's say you, a club said you uh, was interested. Um, yeah. You know, how many hours do you think you need to be at the club? Uh, can you only do it with players that are developing? That, mm. you know, 
or can you do it with the senior guys as well? Like, what, what do you think would be the ideal if an AFL club said, look, yeah. we, we, we want to do this, we want to be the first to do it? Yeah. Um, you've been in it, you've done it. I know it's a different sport, but mm. you can apply that same philosophy, I guess. Um, yeah. Where would you start? Yeah, well, it's an interesting point you raised because, like I mentioned, I, I did want, I did think I wanted to work with elite athletes, um, but I've found so much enjoyment of coaching the, the next level who want to get to elite athlete. And that's kind of where I felt like I wish it the same I had. And it is get that point where it's like, is it too late for those guys? Like you mentioned, maybe it's just the developing players that need it. So I think there's definitely room for, yeah, um, for improvement in kicking and, and, and ways to train it. And I think goal kicking can be totally revamped um, with players just the way they go about it. I don't think you need to take 20 steps um, to, to kick a set shot when, you know, you don't do that when you're kicking it to a teammate who's 50 metres away. So there's definitely some things that can be done. Um, I definitely think there's obviously uh, more benefit in coaching the younger age who can not create those bad habits um, and there can be more changes can be made at that younger age once, you know, it does get harder as they get older because they've had, you know, 20, 20 years of kicking or, or, you know, 15 years of kicking. So, um, like I said, there's, there's definitely room for an AFL and uh, what would that look like? Yeah. A great question. Um, I haven't really thought about it. I've, like I said, I, it did, I did think I wanted to go into elite, but, um, but let's say, you know, we want to hypothetically play with it. Um, I think it's, it's every, every training session, the first 25% of the session is, should be on skills and on kicking skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then, and then a bit at the end as well, cause you want to do it under fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you've got, um, you know, there's all, all your different types of kicks. Um, is, is there certain kicks, let's say for, for just for, for those listening to the podcast for mm-hmm. developing athletes, like you mentioned, then we'll go into um consultant and we can talk about the creation yeah. of that as well but like yeah. um what what are your your favorite three kicks that you do you think developing kids like you said they're learning learn the, the good habits first um, yeah the fundamentals um, yeah so that's that's a good point because like um there are lots of tip, different types of kicks in afl and that's what makes kicking so hard um and and my big thing is okay let's let's practice them let's do them like I, I don't like when coaches say straighten up, straighten up and kick, you know, yes, there's a t- time for that, but there's going to be times when you're going to have to kick around your body. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's practice that. So I'm big on that. Um, it's not about taking away kicks. It's about having this big arsenal of kicks and, and practicing in them. Um, yeah, obviously you've got to be more consistent if you keep everything straight. And I think hundred percent do that with goal kicking. Like, don't get me wrong. Unless you need to add some distance, like you, it's natural to hook the ball, create more torque in your hips, whatnot. But yeah, um, I can really break down some kicking. Like I can go into a lot of detail and it's definitely something I've learned through just punting, to be honest. Um, and I vary it depending on who I'm coaching. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm coaching someone younger, I do keep it simple. So it's, you know, how you're holding the ball and how you release it, what your body's doing at contact. So you balance your, like your um, stability in your leg, how, how, what's your toe doing through contact, what, what's the ball position like. Um, they're probably the biggest things. It's honestly like the thing that gets the ball going anywhere is how it makes contact with your foot. So if you drop, if you drop the ball well, that's going to help that. But also the way you make contact can be adjusted slightly mid-swing. So if you do have a bad drop, but you can, your body can naturally create, correct it, and you'll see AFL players do it all the time. You know, they might have this weird finish. It's because they dropped it slightly off, but were able to adjust it to then make it work. And it might not look pretty, but it's effective. So um, drop, trip, trip guide and drop, and then con- what your body's doing at contact. And then um, what would be your philosophy around working on your opposite leg? Like when mm-hmm. does that bring that in? And yeah, well, best thing to do is download my opposite foot kicking program, which is free off my website. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I just, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I I think it's about doing it and you do just naturally get stronger at it, but you got to do it properly. Like don't just think, get reps and reps and reps. Like you want to make sure those reps are like effective, um, and you're doing the right thing. So 
um, massive, easy one you can do. It literally, I could grab that ball and do it now. Just ball drops at home, ball guides at home. Um, you know, doing, getting that repetition, like proper repetition, um, just to get, you know, stronger in the grip. Uh, not necessarily stronger, but just more used to it. Um, and then when you kick, I always say it's, it's opposite, opposite foot. It's naturally a bit weaker. So you've got to be think firmer, firmer, locking that foot out um, because you see it, it just, people kick it and it just, it just, ugh, like it's just, I've got, there's no oomph in it. So yeah, yeah. you just got to naturally think, okay, I've got to kick this a bit harder until that just gets, um, yeah, just you're more used to it. Uh, yeah. And, and so you're working with Nathan at Pro Kick in, in Adelaide. Um, take us through how the creation of the kicking consultant came about. Yeah. So like I said, I'd, I'd love biomechanics. Um, goes back, yeah, ever since I was a kid, um, I either wanted to play for an AFL team or work for one. Um, and like I mentioned, I'd, um, yeah, thought I wanted to work with elite athletes. And then I've just kind of found like, you know, I want to provide elite level coaching to, you know, to the non-professionals or those, you know, trying to get to that next level. Cause like I said, it's something I would have liked. Um, and I want people to have a better career than I did. I wish I knew then what I knew now about not only like, um, kicking, but just everything else to go with footy. Um, so. Yeah, I just kind of saw that um, there's just, it's just not it wasn't around. Um, you know, we have, we have oh my punting coach. Like, what? Why is there a punting coach in Adelaide but not a kicking coach? I mean, there are some um, people doing it, but um, yeah, it's just like there's a, there's that need. There's um, that's it's my I, I want to say expertise. Like, you know, I've literally spent six years just kicking a ball. I've yeah. done, I did studies on it in America. Um, the 10,000 hour rules were definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, let's not go into the 10,000 hour rule. I literally just did an assignment on that for my master's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's not it. Yeah. Well, 10,000 hours was established um, based off of work from uh, uh, not Malcolm Gladwell, um, Ericsson. And he did studies on chess and musicians. And it was found that the violinists, had the expert violinists who were teaching the students had performed over 10,000 hours, but that wasn't necessarily the criteria mm. for expertise. And it changes within sports. So um, a sport that's played worldwide like, or something like chess or um, music, which is worldwide, the level of expertise is much higher than, say, um, rugby or something or something that's a bit not played everywhere. So... To get 10,000 hours was just some guy took that concept and then make it, made it popular. Um, Malcolm Gladwell was his name. He made a book on it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but definitely some deliberate practice um, and getting a good amount of, of, of it is definitely efficient for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, for those that aren't aware of consultant, what, like, what, what do you guys do? Is it one-on-one? You mentioned a free kicking program for working on your opposite foot yep. so it sounds like there's some things you can download but what yep. are the most common ways that people work with you yeah so um yeah it is more the, the the programming um so like i said it's things that i wish i had so i'm trying to make coaching accessible and available to, to everyone and affordable too so these programs um are range from 10 to 50 bucks depending on, on what it is um yeah i've got like a goal kicking program it just gives you, yeah, like I said, it gives me, gives me some, gives you some of my insights and then, you know, structure. So you don't just go the footy over and kick snaps from the boundary, you know. Um, I've got a really good um, kicking guide for, for not only kids, but for coaches, parents to then teach their kids. So again, it's like, I wish I had my dad teaching me this and using this guide has, you know, coaching cues, it has links to videos that you can only access through the guide. Um, very easy to use. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to provide more ways for people to improve and for everyone. And then, yeah, I've got some running, off-season running programs, um, weight programs as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, I, I, work, I work in person, um, one-on-one small group teams. Um, that's, yeah, that's, prob- that's probably like n- number one. And then online stuff as well. So, um, whether that's, that's like a Zoom where we have um, players kicks and we, we go over the footage, help them out, um, provide feedback, provide a report, provide them drills that they can do to go back and then see them again in um, two weeks to a month's time. 
Oh, awesome. So there's, yeah, it makes sense in the name, the kicking consultant, but there's a yeah, <laughs> feedback, there's a report, sounds like quite a thorough process, and then you've got some homework to do that you can follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool that, that it's dynamic too, like you're helping out the parents to help out their, you know, uh, their son or daughter. Yeah. How does it work with teams? Are you going down to team sessions or are you working with the coaches? Yeah, so I try to work more with the coaches and instill how they go about it. Um, so, yeah, I make sure that they're involved and it's not just I came around a session and that's it. It's like I came around a session, they learnt coaching cues, they learnt drills, and then they can go away and do it. So I've worked with teams, you know, it may have been like for the first few weeks um, of the season or um, it might have been one team like every couple of weeks um, come in. And I've seen yeah, just massive, like massive improvements with um, women's teams. Like the turnaround on improvement is in session, like um, is is massive. Um, and then yeah, like I think players, you know, they like to hear from a different voice sometimes. But I think someone who knows, yeah, exactly. Like I said, I like to think I know what I'm talking about. So yeah, you're a specialist. Yeah, yeah. And then and then then they know. Okay, our coach knows that, and I don't. You know, then the coach can take over for the rest of the season and whatnot. Um. Just some specific things around the kicking element. So um, you mentioned that, you know, the stiffness and being strong over the ball with when kicking with your opposite. What about when kicking in wet weather? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some different cues that you commonly use to help with athletes improving their kicking ability with wet weather? Footy? Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, great point. Because um, sometimes it is just like just slam it on the boot and, and just hope for the best. Um, you know, yeah. surge footy, get it forward. Um, I think a big thing you can't do is try to like hook it too much. Anything that's going to get that, you know, slicing the ball, um, that's probably the biggest thing. So making sure you're kicking through the line of the ball, which I like to teach in like, if I'm, we're kicking a straight anyway, kick yep. through the line of the ball, um, point your toe where you want the ball to go. Um, and that's, yeah, pretty big in when it's wet because anything that's slicing the ball is, you know, it's going to come, it's going to slip off. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. That's good. <clears throat> what would be some common mistakes that you see when you're working with teams or, um, you know, uh, more from an athlete point of view? So what are some common mistakes that athletes are making when it comes to kicking? I think not practicing it enough, um, not practicing it in the right situations, not practicing it under fatigue, under pressure. And like I said, they might just get stuck in kicking the ball straight. And it's like, no, like there's going to be times where you kick around the corner. Um, Things like that, um, you know, for goal kicking, I think the, the whole the whole run up thing. I see people doing that, and I'm just like, 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 why? Why do we do that? And again, that's something I learned from punting. Like, you, we kicked off two steps. We kicked it 55 meters off two steps. It's like you don't need a massive run up. Let's just, you know, make the process easier on us. Um, Less room for error, I imagine. Well, you just you just have, you don't have to think about okay, walking in. What's everyone doing? Like, where's the man on the mark? Oh, there's the goal. It's like. It's like I go, there's a man on the mark. I stand a little bit further back. This is where I'm kicking it from. This is what, you know, there's the goals. Okay, bang. Three, three to five steps. And it's the best thing is in practice, one, you're going to get way more reps in. Um, there's someone who walks back 30 meters, kicks it, you know. Um, like imagine if um, me and Ben Brown, is it uh, Ben Brown from? That's what I'm thinking of every time you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I would get five kicks in by the time you got one. Um, yeah. But then it's like, okay, you, you, you make the kick so, so not, not insignificant, but yeah, it's not a big deal and it takes the pressure off. And then say you're in practice and you're kicking off a couple of steps and it's like, you know, when the kick went wrong because it's so, it's such a like simple, you know, simple technique that, yeah. oh, I dropped it inside. I dropped it inside again. Okay. That's what it was. That was breaking down. Okay. Let's fix that. Um, it's, it's just makes it so much easier when you just, yeah. yeah. What about like it's quite unique um, having a kicking biomechanist that also has the strength and conditioning element. Mm. So for the strength and conditioning coaches that are listening, and this is also a selfish question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I'm interested in. But what, with, um, what are some fundamentals when it comes to individualizing your strength and power and balance? When it, like you mentioned that the strength and conditioning coaches started to evolve that in LSU. Yep. How do you think AFL strength and conditioning coaches should be doing that to improve for your goal? So your forwards, your goal kickers, your Trent mm-hmm. McKenzie's who are mm. doing a kick, kicking out. Uh, yep. It's their one wood, where kicking yeah. ability. 
Yeah. Um, what would be some good exercises, some good fundamentals to focus on in the yeah in the great way- great question. I'm glad we got to speak on this. Um, so big one I want to credit is um Kevin Ball. So Kevin's um yeah, yeah. kicking I'm guru Kevin at, at uh, VU. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's a bit of a yeah idol to me to be honest. And I I actually turns out worked with him when I went through the AIS. So um. I've read all his papers and um, he he's given some good stuff and then um, done like kind of leaned on some research in soccer. And so backswing, what you can develop in the backswing and getting your foot further back to then have more distance for your foot to travel and pick up speed is going to increase your power. Um, so exercises for that, uh, you know, anything that's strengthening up your glutes and hamstrings in that hip um, hip extension um and and uh, is yeah massive um i think forward swing has can have a big influence on that and i was one of those players that i wish i knew this because my backswing has been pretty bad um i had a mobility flexibility thing yeah yeah i think it might just be structurally in my hips like i've had two hip surgeries and that was from birth so players are different and this is saint kevin's um kind of mentions in his studies about being knee or hip dominant and um and where they people generate um a bit more yeah speed um so you want to be hip dominant i imagine for well well you want to you want to be like i said you want to have to be loose to get your hip back and then but if you have strong hip flexors that's going to help but i definitely think it's what you can generate in the backswing to come through um is probably of more importance but um yeah don't neglect it and thing is but don't overdo it like you 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 kick so much you run so much that generally your hip flexors are going to be more tight so probably best to work on the mobility at the front and the strength in the posterior chain um for that's for big kicking if that's yeah if that's what we want to talk about so like a a bulgarian split squat would spring to mind because you get length through the hip flexor and 100 percent. that's one of my favorites I, I used to hate doing them now i like them i like um single leg adios um just anything that's kind of strengthens up the glute mead so that that balance um you want to be stable when you make contact so if your hips dipping um you know that's you, you're going to be um weightless weight it's not stable so not not powerful less you're going to pull kicks or whatnot so i like um yeah things that kind of stabilize um any yeah core stabilization like i said glute glute mead stuff um yeah yeah awesome and then and then power power based stuff as well like yeah which do you keep that just simply kicking the ball powerfully or um uh i mean like yeah any any power based movements um drop jumps um things that kind of work um stretch shortening cycle um but yeah honestly just kicking kicking the ball hard like i think to get better at any sport, it's to do the sport. Um, I think strength and conditioning, hundred percent, um, helps and it has its place. Like, of course, um, but yeah, going out and doing it, um, you can kick a waterlogged ball. Um, there has been studies again. Kevin Ball has done some studies on that, um, increasing the weight on the ball to help develop yeah strength in ankle and hip flexors. So, I think yeah. of uh, Kevin Durant in his younger days shooting a medicine ball or something i remember oh yeah yeah heavy yeah. basketball or something became a pretty good three-pointer but mm. um yeah interesting oh thank mm. you for sharing we'll, we'll we'll start to wrap it up now we've got mm. the personal side of the podcast that's a little bit lighter mm. mate you can yep. don't have to think as intensely for <laughs> <laughs> you but uh it is late at night but we, we'll, we'll um get into the first one so which movie or tv series has impacted you the most and why oh can i pick a book you can be- oh, t- t- oh, let me think. TV series. Oh, far out. It's a great question. Um, I've got a book, few good- book, books. An option. Books an option. Yeah, oh, I love investing, and I love um, like personal development and investing. So there's a really, really good one that's influenced me. Um, the Cash Flow Quadrant. So for someone who's starting a business, um, like like I have, that was great for me. Um, um, yeah, it's not very sporty, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good for for the business, small business mm. starters, and those creating it a uh, a startup, eh? Hey? Yeah. Uh, favorite inspirational quote or life motto? Yeah, my life my life motto is just to make the most of every day. 
Um, and that doesn't have to be anything massive. Like it's, it's not that deep where it's like, you know, you could die tomorrow. It's like, no, just do something that, you know, um, is going to benefit you. Like it could just be, it might just be, I want to relax. Like I need to de-stress or it might just be listening to a podcast. It might be reading a book, but like make the, make the most of every day. That's, you know, things that you want to achieve, um, do the steps, do something that's going to get you closer to that. Yeah. And what about, um, what are your, like in your work life, what are your pet peeves? What makes you angry? I hate, I hate, um, people who are late. I hate, I hate that. Like, yeah, I think that's just been developed from a young age, um, through the AIS, you know, through everything, like just don't be late. The 10 minutes early isn't really on like early. That's just on time. <laughs> So, yeah. Punctual? Well, what, uh, Punctual, yeah. What, what are your favourite ways to spend your day off? Uh, good question. Um, I, love, I love going to the beach. I don't do it enough. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I was just down there the other day and I was like, oh, I need to do this more. Yeah. I don't know something about it. I used to go, I used to do surf, go surfing at the Giants on my days off. Yeah. Try to go surfing. Um, and it, it just love being out in the water. So, yeah. I agree with you there, mate, 100%. And then favourite, this is a COVID-free world, and you mentioned earlier you wanted to be travelling. So uh, favourite holiday destination and why, or or you could switch it into where do you want to go for this year? Yeah, so I'd love to go back to the US, um, but I actually had a flight to Switzerland and I still have the credit to that. So I want to go to Switzerland pretty pretty badly. I would like to do that via the US though, because it's just been too long since I've seen all my friends and family who live there. Yeah, yeah. Switzerland. Have you been there before? No, no. Yeah, I just the, the lands, the landscapes, the landscapes. I love it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Oh, cool. I don't think Switzerland's Switzerland's made the list yet. So there you go. Ah, there you go. Smart. Very good. <laughs> um, well, awesome, mate. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your expertise, but also your journey, uh, the ups and downs, and challenges and, and growth that you've made throughout being. Um, an athlete both in Australia, professional athlete and, and uh, college level in, in America, um, as well as now doing big things in the, in the industry, both in the fitness industry as well as in biomechanics. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, what, what's, up, what's on the horizon for you for the rest of 2021? What, what are you excited about at the moment? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for having me, mate. It's been a great chat. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, to be honest, like, if you'd asked me six months ago, like where I thought I'd be, I didn't think I'd be quite here yet with my business and where things are going. So yeah, um, just want to keep growing and helping, you know, have more reach to as many people as I can and really establish um, kicking coaching in person here in Adelaide. Um, yeah, would like to see where that can go with maybe um, into some more, more teams and maybe like maybe some AFL teams like consulting for there. Would be cool, but I, I'm honestly just kind of going, going with the flow. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, exact same here, mate. You just go with the – no better time to do it than the COVID world, hey? Exactly, yeah, <laughs> if it's taught us anything. Yeah, oh, very good. Well, awesome. Thank you so much again, Josh, and um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how the kicking consultant continues to grow, mate. Awesome to hear it's doing big things, and, and thanks again for coming on. No, thank you for everyone who's uh, tuned in. Um, Josh did mention actually he's uh, the, the, someone who helped him out with his rehab uh, at GWS. He, he is coming on the podcast next Tuesday. So that's our next guest, uh, who's Tim Parham. He's now head physio at Adelaide Football Club, and he's worked at uh, numerous sports at the elite level. So really looking forward to having Tim on to tune in for that one. It'll be next Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Melbourne time. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll speak to you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is... Um... It'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. 
and then game changers, yeah, game game changers whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and you know and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for yeah yeah another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the prepare like a pro live chat show here's an example with academy member Rama Davies the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks welcome Rama to the chat uh Rama has also worked at at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man that. Uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it. Yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish... Back then, when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things. And um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and, yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah there's so many people like great people out there knowledgeable people to learn off and there's plenty more where that came from if you would like to learn more then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes thank you for listening to the prepare like a pro podcast if you like this episode it'd be a massive help if you could like follow rate give a review or even share with your mates the show is recorded in melbourne australia be sure to follow our instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest if you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.